For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance because thou hadst a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Verse 5 is where I want to draw our text. Through thee will we push down our enemies. And through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hath put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and we praise thy name forever. Verse 4, he said, command deliverance for Jacob. In other words, for the sons of Jacob, for the seed of Jacob. To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, grant deliverance to us, your children, because through thee we will push down our enemies and we will tread them under that rise up against us. Bishop told me tonight that I need to preach from this title. You can't push me out. You can't push me out. Praise the living God. I'd like for you to put your Bibles down right now. And we're going to pray with a holy boldness tonight. That something would get a hold of our hearts. This morning we got the power and the revelation of a decree. And tonight we're going to push up against that decree. And we're going to tell every power of darkness and every voice of intimidation. That would try to rob us of what we decreed in the presence of the Lord today. That we have already decreed it and it's been sealed by the name and by the power of the blood and we're pushing back tonight. Come on. In Jesus' name, cry out to him right now, would you, church? If you know he can and you know he will, just clap your hands and shout unto the Lord. Blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Hallelujah. May the Lord richly bless you and you may be seated tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It feels good in the house tonight. Amen. I believe God's going to touch somebody in this place. I want to begin by telling you tonight. Now, this is not going to rock your world. This is not deep. You're probably not going to learn a new Hebrew word right here. But I want to tell you that for most everybody that's under the sound of my voice right now, the biggest thing to stand between you and your breakthrough is a made-up mind. If we walk in to 
face our enemies, constantly vacillating back and forth between whether or not God can, God's able, I'm not sure if he will, I'm just not real sure. We're probably going to get our backsides handed to us. Because the Bible tells us about seven sons, their father was a priest. They knew order. They knew how somebody else could do it. And the scripture said that when they walked into the demon-possessed man, now think about this, seven of them put together. They walked in and started trying to take authority over spirits that they didn't have the authority over. And the Bible said that those spirits, that demon-possessed man, grabbed every one of them, one on seven, stripped their clothes off them, kicked their backside out into the street and made them walk naked. You know what that man, that man, he stripped them down and humiliated them. It's a frustrating place to be when we've heard our fathers talk about power and authority, but we know nothing about it when the true test comes. And the psalmist is writing, he opens up by saying, we have heard with our ears, oh God, our fathers have told us. We are a movement of people that live on the testimonies of our fathers, those that have gone before us in the faith. I live my life on a weekly basis grabbing on the testimonies of my fathers those that have gone before us, those that have walked this road of faith and have fought big giants and seen them fall and have fought devils and seen them fall and have went through church trouble and came out on the other side and still had a powerful praying church. I have listened to the stories of men of God who have squared off with witchcraft and at the end of the day they stood up and God made them victorious I have heard stories about men who walked into cities and witches and warlocks came looking for them and said the best thing you could do is get out of this town I've heard the stories of my great grandfather coming into town and men walking into the revival meeting and saying if you know what's good for you you'll be out of here by this time tomorrow and you won't preach again but the very next night he walked back into that building and he preached the word of God I've heard the faith of our forefathers but I want to tell you it's a dangerous place to be in 2021 going into a new year to pass through the waters that we have passed through this year and all we've got is the testimony of our fathers Now, this is going to sound a little off to you right here for just a second, but I I feel like telling somebody tonight, somebody needs to put on their big boy britches and quit holding on to the coattail of the fathers of our faith. You know what that devil said to them boys? They said, Jesus, I know And Paul I know. They said I know who your fathers are. I know who your forefathers are. But I have no clue who are you. Now you got to forgive me tonight because I don't mean to sound critical. But I've watched some people handle some things this year. And watched how they've let the enemy beat their brains out. We've walked roads we've never had to travel before and 
pastors and ministry and saints and laymen, they've had to deal with situations they've never seen before. And I'm just going to be real frank with you right here. I've seen a lot of people that have made big professions of their faith in times past that when it came time this year to stand up in the face of adversity and declare that God's goodness would keep them like it kept their forefathers, they sat down when they should have stood up. I heard a story uh, this week from a man of God that was preaching. And he was, he was preaching about uh, hope, that Jesus is our hope, the power of hope that we have in him. And he made a statement concerning the vaccine that had rolled out this week. He was making a point of how much hope it brought to a lot of people. And that, you know, they're, they're promising somewhere between 90 and 95% effective, uh, uh, effective results with the vaccine. And he, he was making the statement. He said, but how incredible is it to think that Jesus robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us with a 100% promise of hope. Well, the spirit of offense apparently abounded in the congregation. And instead of somebody looking at the message and saying, oh, yes, we have blessed hope, they got offended and said, why in the world are you throwing off on COVID like it's not real? And they, they asked me, they said, did I say something wrong? And I said, look, here's what I want to tell you. The greatest hope in the world is the gospel message. And I know that this gospel message worked for our forefathers. But we need that spirit to get us convinced in this hour. This is not just the message that saved our fathers. It's a message that will save our children. You mark it down when I tell you right now. That the spirit of offense is as prevalent as it's ever been. I'm I'm probably going to offend somebody by saying this. I have never seen people get offended so easily in my life. Ever. It's unreal. It's like the spirit of offense just abounds. You walk in someplace... And, and I'm just using this because it's, it's kind of like what's on everybody's mind. You walk in someplace and there's an anti-masker in there and you got on your mask and they shake their head at you. You walk in, in, in the next place and you got people in there that want, you to, that, that want you to wear a mask. You didn't have it on and they shake their head at you. And we got all out cussing matches and brawls going on right now. People out trying to shop and get all kinds of stuff done. People, can you, can you imagine right now? What the enemy is doing when he looks at some folks that claim they've got the Holy Ghost and how every time they turn around they're offended at what somebody said or what somebody did. I can't even imagine us claiming to be the most powerful force in the earth. Thank you. I appreciate all two of you clapping. I'm offended. Listen to what I'm telling you. I want everybody to get this down in your spirit. You are not an orphan of heaven. 
You are not an afterthought in the mind of God. You are a child of God. You have power with God. You have authority with God. You've got the spirit of God. There is nothing that the devil can do with you to defeat you tonight. You are a child of God. Stay with me now. So these men are giving thanks unto the Lord. We believe that this is certainly a psalm that David is saying it's very Davidic in its approach. And David is saying that as a people of God, we have heard with our ears because our fathers told us what you have done. Our fathers have told us what you have done and how powerful you were. And I thank God for the testimonies of where we've been. I thank God for the testimonies of what we've seen. God knows my heart and so does my pastor, my bishop tonight. I mean no disrespect when I say this at all. But I'm telling you that I rejoice in the moves of God that we've had in the past in this church. I thank God that there are still people in this church tonight that came in during our 10-week and 11-week revival that we had. There are still people in this church tonight that came in in the seven-week revival that we had with Brother Shepherd. But folks, listen to me tonight when I tell you, I'm kind of tired of living in the testimonies of where we've been. And I still believe with all my heart that the revival that God has spoken over this church is not the revivals that we've been through. But I believe it's a revival that we're walking in. I thank God for the testimony of our fathers. But I'm crying out tonight. God give us revival for us. It told the story. Now here's kind of where the breakdown is. The psalmist says we heard the story of how you fought for them. How you brought them out with a mighty hand and a strong arm. He said, we heard how the land they took, they did not take it with their bow. But they took it by the hand of the Lord. There's some kind of breakdown that every generation has to learn on its own. It's revealed in a song that we used to sing around here all the time. It said, victory, victory shall be mine. Right? If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battles. Victory, victory shall be mine. That's a song of my father's. Because they learned a long time ago that sometimes the best weapon you've got is to hold your peace. And let the Lord fight your battles. You want to start sleeping a little better at night? You want to start getting some stress off your shoulders? Hold your peace and let the Lord. Nowhere do we read in this testimony of the forefathers that our fathers told us about their bruises and their scars. 
Nowhere do we read that our forefathers told us how they got beat up when they went in to possess the land. This right here was a little lesson I learned from Bishop when we used to do testimony service more often. And he'd say, I don't want anybody standing up giving us doctor's reports. I don't want anybody standing up giving us bad reports of what you've been through. And sure enough, about the third person in. And they start telling the church how big the doctor's observation was. You might have heard me tell this story before. I've told it several times. I don't know if I've told it here in this local assembly or not. Last year I preached, uh, what was it? I can't even remember how many times I preached last year. 300 times, something like that. So after a while, if you tell the same story, you just got to say forgive me. I was preaching a meeting one night, and uh, the guy leading the service had testimony service. And his people got up, and you know, every now and then they'd bust off in a song or they'd say something. And uh, this woman, it was like a, our old sanctuary, it was two rows, two or three rows, it was long and deep. And I remember standing on the platform, this woman back here on my left, she stood up and they called on her to testify. And as soon as she opened her mouth, she started in. Saying, the devil has been on my back all week. She said, I have been to hell and back this week. I mean, man, she, she let it rip. I mean, my faith was immediately encouraged. It's like, you wouldn't believe the hell I've been through this week. I'm like, I, I believe you. I can see you. And I'm listening. And she went through this whole deal. In her testimony about how much hell she had been through. And I'm like, surely to God, the turn signal's coming on soon. And she's going to take the turn to say, but God. And she didn't. And she finished her testimony by saying how bad her week was and everything the devil had done to her. And so help me God. When the woman finished uh, testifying... Been to hell and back this week. Been to hell and back. You don't believe what the devil did to me this week. The guy leading the service said, All right, we're glad to have Pastor St. Clair with us. Pastor St. Clair, come preach the word. I tried to be as sweet as I could. Yeah, I know what you guys are waiting on the punchline, aren't you? It's like with bated breath. You're just sitting, I want people to just sit and lean forward right now. What you about to say? I was nice. But they handed me the microphone and I was just gonna just let it go. I was just, Sister Ned, I was just gonna let it go and preach. And Mamma, it was like that story you used to tell. The Lord took my hand. And wore him out with it. <laughs> and the Lord just reached down and he took my mouth. And I said, well, I'm hearing you tell the story tonight. About going to hell and coming back this week. And I'm thinking, please don't say what you're about to say. 
And I did. I said, I'm hearing the story. I'm hearing everything you're saying right now. The devil took you to hell this week, took your husband, took your job, took your joy, took your kids, stole their tennis shoes. Listen, the devil took all the gas out of your car. I heard it. Unbelievable. I was scared to look over there because the devil had taken everything. I was hoping he just left her enough clothes to get dressed to come to church. And the devil, glory be his name. And I said, I'm hearing you talk about your trip to hell and back this week and everything the devil's taken from you. So, but my question is to you, why in the world would you waste the trip? If you're going to go to hell and come back anyway, while you're on your way through hell, reach over and say, devil, that joy belongs to me. You can't have, woo! You can't have my joy. I said, devil, reach over there and say, look right here. That's my kids, devil. You can't have my children. And grab your kids out of the mouth of hell. And What I want to tell you is your testimony is taking place in the house of God. That means if you went through hell this week, you made it. And you're in the house of God. Every now and then, you just got to remind yourself that the word of God did not say no weapon formed against your fathers would prosper. He said no weapon formed against you will prosper. I thank God for the faith of my fathers, but I want something to get a hold of me that shakes my life. Oh, my, my. You can be seated. I'm well on my way. We heard our father say how you brought him out with a mighty hand. I did not hear my fathers say that they went to hell and back to get where they were. Somehow, we've got to learn how to encourage one another. I, uh, I say this tonight with all sincerity and kindness in my heart. I'm just being honest with you about some things that I've observed through the years. With the way some of us act about the Lord, it really leaves no wonder in my mind at all as to why some people don't want what we have. Come on now. Been saved and sanctified. Filled with the Holy Ghost, but Facebook tells a different story. Come drag it into the house of the Lord and got asphalt in our lip. Because we drug it through the parking lot. Because the Lord has let us down. Hey, look. We're going to have to quit vacillating on whether or not we're convinced. I know your fathers were convinced because we're here. But I want to know tonight... Are you convinced? (laughs) 
You, you ever wonder where people gripe before we had social media? Like, where, where'd they go? Where'd they go? They had those three telephone numbers. That they could call anytime they wanted to, and they knew they could get the nest and the pot stirred up. Oh, my, my, you can depend on me, baby. <laughs> but I'm telling you today, I've got nothing bad to say about this. I still got it down in my soul. That when I hear the question, what do you think about Jesus? I still have an answer tonight. He's all right. He's better than all right. He's never let me down. He's never forsaken me. Oh, yeah. I've had men let me down. I've had folks turn their back on me. But I know that he's all right. See, so my point to you is very simply this. It's not enough for those that have paved the way for us to be convinced. Because the psalmist said in verse 4, Thou art... Man, y'all are preaching good. Thou art... Now, he just said, our fathers told us what you did for them. But you are my king. You are my God. <laughs> and I'm asking you, for the sake of my father, Jacob. Why Jacob? Why was it Jacob that the psalmist brought up? I'm so glad you asked. Verse 5 answers that question. When he says unto the Lord, in verse 5, he said, Through thee will we push down our enemy. Listen, the sons of Jacob are pushers. Because it was Jacob that wrestled through the night with the Lord. At Peniel, he said, I have seen God. And the Lord said, you have wrestled with God. In other words, you have pushed back on God. You have pushed back and resisted and said, I will not turn loose until you bless me. And David, the psalmist, was letting God know, I'm a child of a pusher. Our daddy was a pusher. Our father was a pusher. And Lord, if Jacob prevailed with you, I'll prevail against my enemy. Yeah. Jacob prevailed with God. Now listen, what I'm about to tell you, I don't want this to bring confusion to you. But we live in different times than we did when my grandfather came to Anderson, Indiana to preach and pastor in this city. They came through a time where they had to fight with doctrine and things on a little different level than we do.
There was fighting that would go on, pushing back against false doctrines of devils and things like that. But anymore, it's a little different fight. We're not just having to fight straight up blatant false doctrine. We're prevailing against spirits. My great-grandfather told my Uncle Max, my great-uncle, right before he died, he said they were sitting on a bench in Elwood at the church. And he told him, he said, Max, you're going to deal with things in this church that I've never had to deal with in my life. He said, you and R.B., are going to have to fight things that I've never had to fight in my ministry. He, I don't know if he realized it or not, but he was speaking a prophetic word that as the age draws close and we get closer to the coming of the Lord, he said, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to wrestle with. I know, I know, I know what Jacob wrestled with. I know that Jacob wrestled and had some fights that he had to win. But what I want to know tonight is how do the sons of Jacob respond when they come to an enemy have you lost the pushback uh, I listen to conversations and I watch people sometimes and I listen to you say that when the enemy comes against me I'm going to stand up against him. But what I'm telling you is that some of us are on the brink right now of losing our pushback. We believe that the pushback of Jacob, of our fathers, is enough for us. But you hear me when I tell you that Jacob did not prevail with God at that river by himself with the Lord for the next generation to sit down and say, well, I guess if Jacob pushed, then the pushing's over. We need a generation that'll say, Lord, we're not just satisfied about the pushback of Jacob, but we're going to push back until the coming of the Lord. We are fighting tonight spirits of intimidation that are pushing against the church and trying to silence the mouth of the church and trying to push us under. I'm telling you that a few months ago I was in conversation with some folks and they were talking about all that was going on in the world and they said to me emphatically this is not about the church this is about a virus. I said you just wait and see. They said, oh, no, 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 this is not about the church at all. They're going to leave the church alone. Once these 15 days to slow the curve are over, the church is going to be all right. I believe the church is going to be all right. But we're seeing a preview window right now that the enemy would love to silence the church. But I've come to tell the devil tonight, you can't push me out, baby. You I want to tell 2020, you tried to push the church out, but you can't push the church back. What the enemy had planned in his mind, look, I'm telling you, it's been a tough year. We've had loss, some to do with you know, and some not to do with you know what. Been a tough year. I'm going to tell you this, and you mark this down. I'll stand before God for this statement. Whatever his plans were, they haven't worked. (laughs) 
whatever he thought he was going to do, it did not work because the church is still alive and well. Some of y'all been through it this year. Some of you have carried weights this year that are too heavy for humanity. But you hear me? You're in the house of the Lord tonight because the devil can't push you out. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand because it's kind of embarrassing. It's crazy. We've had several folks in the church this year that got sick. And uh, I had a couple of them tell me, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree, that if they could have found a button that they could just push. I had one man tell me, he said, if I could have found a button under my armpit to push while I was so sick, that would have ended it. He said, I'd have pushed the button. Amen. There's folks in this church this year have been sick. And those folks are here tonight. This morning, I saw Sister Shelley in here walking, and I thought, Lord, what a miracle. I mean, like, what a miracle. But whatever the devil had planned for y'all in 2020, Sister Lori, I know the devil hates your guts. I was going through my phone this week, and somebody had took my phone the night I baptized you in Jesus' name and videoed the baptism. And I was watching that video the other night. I was scrolling through some old stuff, and I saw that video, and I thought, Lord, since that woman came to the house of God, she's been through some stuff. But when I look at where she was and where she is, Brother Joe, only thing I could tell you is that whatever it was the devil had planned for her. It did not work. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm getting lined up for a decree. I'm getting lined up for a decree right now. This morning, I about lost my breath. I'm not going to say any names in case someone's watching, but this precious lady that sits back here, she's not here tonight, been a faithful member here for a lifetime, quiet and don't ever say a word, walked up and grabbed that microphone. I watched all the stuff she's been through the last few months. She, got, she pulled that little mask down. She said, I am decreeing. <laughs> That my children. And sitting right there, it dawned on me, Bishop. The Lord has preserved that woman in the midst of all the tragedy to be the voice that... She may look feeble to you, but the enemy's been coming against her family. And when nobody else has been looking, she said, devil, you can't. 
You can't push me out. There's a spirit that comes on us. Though he slay me. Will I trust him? The old song, my Aunt Trisha sang it for years. My wife is saying it. It says, Mother, I've been through enough to know that he'll be enough for me. He's come through too many times. And that puts my mind at ease for good. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. If I know anything, my family has been in this church for over 50 years. And I've seen folks come and I've seen folks go. But I've also seen folks that have just hung in there. And when the enemy came in like a flood... They held their peace and let the Spirit of the Lord raise up a standard. There are people that are here today, not because they haven't been through it, but because they told the enemy, push all you want to push, son. Give me all you want to give me, but you cannot push me out. I've been humiliated. My kids have humiliated me. My family's humiliated me. Saints have humiliated me. Past circumstances have humiliated me. There's all kinds of testimonies in here tonight. There's all kinds of people that's been through stuff. There's folks in here that have backslid and made their way back to God. But you serve notice on the enemy. No matter what you try, it'll never be good enough. You cannot push me out. feel like sometimes I feel like the little bulldog that's trying the little bulldog that just believes you know I've thought about the prophetic words that have come through this church through the years y'all put on your seatbelts because I'm going to be transparent uh-huh. and I found myself saying Bishop God win." Like you, you said. Yeah. That's right. So have I missed it? Come on. I mean. Just wait. <laughs> but oftentimes, what I have found is that the greatest moment of pushback comes against me just before my moment of breakthrough. Anybody here can testify? So let me get real. For those of you that have had the most horrible year of your life, get ready. Because you're getting ready to get in alignment with the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. 
And over the next few days between now and January 1, somebody is going to hear the voice, ponder the words, believe the words, and then declare the word. (laughs) And I've got a promise that I'm not letting go of. God gave us this. During the seven week revival. And so tonight. I'm going to go ahead and make my decree publicly. The Lord promised us. Sevenfold. And tonight. By the authority of the Holy Ghost. And upon the authority of the word of God. I openly and publicly decree. That we are moving into our. I feel something right there. We are moving into a season. Woo! It dawned on me today, Bishop, that since that prophetic word came forth, we've lost a lot since then. And I question why we were losing. And the Lord said, everything that you've lost until the word comes to pass predicates the return on the sevenfold. So everything that the devil has has pushed against you in the last year, just know this devil, you're about to pay me back. You can't push me out. You can't push me back. You can't push me down. But by the help of God, we will push our enemy down and we will tread on them. We will not trust in a bow. We will not trust in an arrow. We will not trust in a sword. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. And we declare that we are going to push our enemy down. And we declare that we will tread on them that rise up against us. Some of you are about to begin to walk in a different dimension of authority. I pray at home all the time. I pray in this sanctuary all the time. I pray in my office all the time. And this week I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to do something different. And I got in my car. And I just took off driving, Brother Michael. I started driving through this town. And I drove all the way out to the northeast corner of this town. In the next little village. And I said to the Lord, I'm sick of the pushback. And I lifted my voice with nobody else in the car. Said, it's been a little while since I've been here. But I just want to let you know, this is still my town. <laughs> 
I feel something rising up in the spirit of this church saying, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. You've tried to push us back, devil, and you've tried to push us out, but it's still my victory. This is still our city. This is still our victory, and you can't push me out.